This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What is going on, brothers and sisters, friends of the Rocky cast? For this episode, I'm going to make a prediction as to who I think is going to replace Tucker Carlson. And spoiler alert, I'm going to predict to you that it's not going to be Jesse Waters. I think I know who it's going to be. I'm predicting that it's going to be Douglas Murray, the Oxford-educated cultural warrior who I recently discussed on my Rockney cast on the Monk debates involving Malcolm Gladwell, in which Douglas Murray crushed Malcolm Gladwell and no doubt won that particular debate. So I wanted to do this kind of a two-for-one day today because I, I want to be right on this and I want to kind of make a little bit of a prediction. I'm probably not the only one in the world that thinks it's going to be Douglas Murray, but I want to explain a little bit why I think it's going to be Douglas Murray and why I don't think it's going to be someone like Jesse Waters or this more recent political commentator, Will Kane, although it could be those two, and I definitely could be wrong. But I think it's going to be Doug, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you why. Uh, and let me first talk about why I don't think it's going to be Jesse Waters. Um, Jesse Waters is the current Fox News host on The Five, and he's kind of a playful articulate, telegenic, good-looking good guy who does have a sense of humor but um, and leads that five and is a pretty good show. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be him. And I think here's why. In order to replace Tucker, you need kind of um, three different things. Um, one, you got to be telegenic on TV, which would rule out me. I'm not... not I'm not likely going to be able to get that. I'm still mad at the dude. The one, the one dude said that I had like a radio face and a radio voice. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, if you make that comment, you got to be a better looking dude than I am. So this guy, this guy did not, he was not. So I'm not saying I'm Tucker, but yeah, I, you know, so I do have a radio voice though. That's why you guys are listening to the Rocky House. But you do have to be telegenic, which of course, Jesse Waters Checks. He is a very intelligent guy. He's already on TV. Um, so he definitely checks that box. But number two, you got to have a sense of humor. And he definitely has that. Um, he has a sense of humor. Um, he's playful. He's fun. He's kind of like, you know, I think everyone, um, this Matt Gatz, this Florida politician, he's kind of the same category. You know, kind of that fun, articulate, kind of know-it-all guy that, you know, like young Republican when they're 16 and they're still really basically believe the same thing. But they kind of have a little bit of a buoyancy and a mischievous to them, quality to them that kind of makes them fun. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesse Waters works so well in this particular role, because he is kind of funny, does have that mischievous quality. Um, so he definitely checks that box. I think he's funny. I don't think he's hilariously funny, but I do think he's kind of funny and he kind of has a Oh, come on. You know, like, you know, like liberals will say something crazy and they'll say, well, for those of us who live in real America, I, I, I think that it's, you know, this is what I think. And so he does have that quality. He definitely checks that box. But 
I think here's the third box that he most certainly does not check. And it's something that Douglas Murray will check to the nth degree. And it will also be something that Douglas Murray will check that, and by the way, I will introduce you how I came across Douglas Murray. If you heard some of my previous podcasts, um, I will introduce in greater detail who he is, but Douglas definitely checks his box. And number two, I think Doug is going to fill a void that, or one of the weaknesses that Tucker did have that did ultimately get him in trouble and could have, although we don't know the reason um, why he was fired yet, at least as of this recording, could have been uh, led to his demise. It's it's least been articulated by people like Bill O'Reilly. So what box does, does Jesse Waters not check? Uh, he's just not enough of an intellectual heavyweight to navigate these, these sort of the longitudinal history of sort of the battle of ideas that we're currently into, which is sort of a civilizational level battle of ideas, of intellect and political discourse. Jesse Waters just does not have that capability. And so far as I can tell, um, he's not a reader. He's not someone who's read the great works. And maybe he has. My guess is he's probably read like, you know, um, Anne Rand and, and other, maybe he maybe he's read some of the libertarian comic books, but he just does not have the heft uh, to do that. And the key, what, what made political uh, Tucker Carlson so effective as a political commentator is the ability to meld intellectual heft <clears throat> with a sense of humor, which is extraordinarily difficult to do. I mean, so for example, this Mark Levine, who is on Fox News, he's a lot of syndicated um, tele uh, television uh, or radio podcasts, certainly has the intellectual heft, heft but, and, and I kind of like listening to him, but God, the guy has no sense of humor. He's kind of a caricature of himself. And he's just kind of barking all the time. And so I don't think he could ever be someone like him. Uh, but he certainly has the intellectual heft. So it just goes to show some people have the intellectual heft, but no sense of humor. Other people like Jesse Waters have the sense of humor, but not the intellectual heft. Douglas Murray, I didn't even know who this guy was um, until about six weeks ago. So and maybe, maybe I don't have the intellectual heft. But many of you probably remember Christopher Hitchens, sort of one of the great polemicists of the 90s and into the early 2000s before he died of cancer in uh, the early 2000s. Christopher Hitchens was just a great polemicist. And I think he may have had a little bit of a sense of humor, but he would, he would go on college campuses in the 90s, early 2000s. He was a firm believer in his atheism. Um, quite frequently attacked Christianity. Uh, towards the end of the life, he kind of got into this debate on Islam. And that's uh, always a touchy topic that I kind of want to avoid because I just, for obvious reasons, I don't want to, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so he kind of got into that thing. And I think to some degree, Douglas Murray has too, which I, I, I just kind of wish they would avoid that, but maybe he just feels like he has no choice. Um, but Christopher Hitchens was one of these polemicist that was just, I, I think he was Oxford educated, one, one of the great institutions in Britain. 
just a penetrating intellect. He could quote Persian poetry, John Locke, Voltaire, um, Alexis de Tocqueville, all these. And, and what distinguishes, I think, a lot of these great British intellectuals and so-called intellectuals of the United States, including the sort of political commentators, is that he actually read the works and could kind of discuss at length, uh, much in the same way that like a Dinesh D'Souza could do. Um, but he could do it in such a way that you, you would learn it was like going to a college course, even if you disagree with them, you loved listening to them because you could you could write down these writers. It's kind of like going through the works of Marx. Even if you don't like Marx, like if you actually read Capital, there's it's just this rich book with all of these different authors to develop your reading list, both Columbus's for capitalism and, and socialists. So and people forget that about a lot of those sorts of works. And Christopher Hitchens had that. He never transitioned into, um, you know, being kind of one of these talking heads. And part of it wasn't as popular at the time, but he didn't really have that sense of humor. So Christopher Hitchens would be another person that could do it intellectually, um, but he was also called, sort of more of a long form commentator. I mean, he liked, you know, for, he's kind of like the, 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 the follow up to William Buckley. You know, these long form commentaries, he liked debate and he was he was pretty edgy, but he had no sense of humor. So I think in this particular role, what Tucker did so effectively was to match with that little giggle of that kid. Can I match that giggle? The little giggle that he had and juxtaposing it with a sense of humor. And that is hard to do and have intellectual heft. And you need to look no further than college faculty. These people, like I'm just saying on today's campus. They have no sense of humor. Like they cannot take a joke. And I think they're getting crushed as a result of that. And Douglas Murray is someone that does do this both. And the reason why it occurred to me that I think it's going to be Douglas uh, because he is one of these characters. And there's obviously other people that can do it. That is clearly well-read. Um, he went to Oxford. Um, I think he was like born in 1979. So I think he's about the right age, about the time that Tucker took over the reins of this particular um, episode and this particular format after Bill O'Reilly left, I think for, I don't know what Bill, I don't know, I don't know what the allegations were. So I'm not even going to comment because I don't want Bill to sue me. But they were bad. And so, but he can do this. And what occurred to me that it's probably going to be Douglas Murray if he wants it. I think I think he's going to want it because he's going to want the megaphone that he's going to have because a lot of people have talked about Tucker's departure as this big loss for Fox News, but then he'll be all right because he'll make billions of dollars in other uh, other venues. But legacy media as it stands now, and I think I'd even include CNN and Fox News, the cable news networks of uh, ABC, NBC, CBS News, they still have this gigantic megaphone. And the ability to influence large numbers of people is, is more when you're on those platforms. And a lot of people say, oh, well, that's not going to be the case with the new podcast, these sorts of things. Podcasts are extremely popular, but they're still pretty narrow in terms of the audiences that they serve. And Tucker's going to lose that, at least for the foreseeable future, unless he immediately reemerges with his own new network or something. Or maybe he'll partner with Elon Musk and make their own media network. But what occurred to me with Doug, and he doesn't like to be called Douglas Murray, I came across him in the Monk debates, is what 
Doug has, and it's something even that Tucker does not have, or at least kind of got in trouble for. Tucker could be a little fast and loose with the facts. And I can say that without him suing me because, I mean, they just paid 700 plus million dollars as Fox News based upon certain claims that were made on his show and on other Fox shows. But the opinion commentators need to remember that, yes, opinion is not likely to lead to defamation, but even embedded with opinion commentary, you still can't make and assert, even with an opinion commentary, factual comments that are demonstrably false. So you can't say so-and-so person is a uh, pedophile um, and has been convicted of um, child sex abuse, and then go on to say, in my opinion, that is why he's a bad person, blah, blah, blah. You can't do that. You got to be right about those facts. And of course, I'm just using this as kind of an extreme example. Tucker never made mistakes to that degree, but he could be a little fast and loose with some of the underlying facts because he felt that he was protected because it was quote unquote opinion journalism, which usually is afforded the highest degree of certainty. But when you look at the reason why I think it's going to be Douglas is that when I watched him in the in the monk debates against Malcolm Gladwell, what he was able to do is one just demonstrate his erudition um, in a way in which even though he's an arrogant asshole, you still find yourself laughing your ass off, and you, you don't you're not mad at him for it because he is that smart. It's kind of like. You know, when Michael Jordan does a dunk and he kind of wags his finger, you're like, well, you know, you're pretty awesome. And so you, you can get away with that. And so when he was debating Malcolm Gladwell, and he just had this sort of killer line in the monk debates, you can see it on YouTube, where um, Malcolm was talking about fact checking. And Douglas went in for the kill. He basically uh, talked about Malcolm's book on the Northern Ireland conflict and did two things extraordinarily effectively. One, he responded to the claim about, oh, well, modern media does fact-checking, and that's something that we do in detail. And then what Douglas was able to do, and after the fact, it looks easy, but in the moment, it's extraordinarily hard, was able to immediately place into context a book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote, David when David meets Goliath, how David beats Goliath, and referenced the Northern Ireland conflict. So he and said, okay, well, you said that you liked fact-checking. And then he was able to demonstrate vis-a-vis -vis a specific, a large factual claim that was made in that book relating to the Irish Republican Army and demonstrate that it was like this obvious factual error that he had made. It's clearly demonstrated at that point that he didn't do his homework on that book and that it was it really undermined the integrity as a journalistic enterprise. I think Malcolm would probably have responded that, well, yeah, it wasn't really journalistic. I was trying to make the point of not necessarily the IRA as such, but how the IRA inflicted a disproportionate influence on the British Empire based upon the amount of arms metamaterial that they had. They were the David and they didn't beat Goliath, but they kind of they kind of drew him to a stalemate leading to the Good Friday Accords. So any of that, that's a separate topic. But he did it in such a way that it was just kind of like, you go, guy, you you're going to you're, you're hilarious. 
And then today I was watching, there was a um, Fox News segment on Antifa in Fort Worth, which, you know, Antifa, I see these guys and they look like kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think with the Antifa is that they, they, they cover up their faces and they, a lot of them are freaking like, like vegan. I don't know, they kind of look like pussies to me. Um, I don't know. And they and they attack unarmed people, and I I, I just they get away with this stuff though. So like in Portland, they they riot and they burn and they um, attack people and they punch people, and somehow they're never arrested. At least I I can't tell what they did. But then Fox News showed Antifa tried to start the shit in Fort Worth, Texas, and the cops didn't put up with it. Where the skinny it looked like a vegan or something was attacking uh these people and just basically unprovoked attacking he was like doing pepper spray which is an assault that that's actually a not a felony but it's assault and just expecting to get away with it as he had watched on tv and, and the cops and these cops weren't like you know buck and bubba trying to keep the shit out of these guys they just arrested him i mean they, they tried to fight back they put him on the ground and it's like the end of a law enforcement does if you see a crime you enforce it and I think these were white people. Um, and they were not people of color, but they were white people trying to be radicals. And they were they thought that gave them a license. But why it relates to Douglas is he was on there and he talked about that. And then there was another issue related to a transgender um, lawmaker in Montana. And he essentially, he was just making this comment about, you know, in, in today's victim hierarchy of the left, uh, you know, transgender is, is almost like uh, a god and you have to give deference to it or else you will be attacked. And he did it in such a way that was just really hilarious. Um, and he was having some fun with it. Um, and I think this is what you need. You need to mix the humor and substance. And I think he's going to be a lot tighter on the facts, which I think is one of the things that rightfully drove um Rupert Murdoch nuts. And it's one of those things where, you know, 800 million bucks, yeah, Fox can sustain that. But when you go back and looked at the 20 claims for which they were um, sued for and ultimately settled for, for 800, and they would not have done that unless they thought a trial, it could have been even worse. You never settle a case in which you believe that, um, you know, you settle it when you believe like, hey, there's a realistic possibility that not only could we do worse, we could do demonstrably worse. And so the lawyers were obviously really spooked about this. And it was totally unnecessary with all these opinion journalists because it wasn't that they were exercising their opinion. It was they were making facts and factual claims about these companies that were the subject of true or false falsification. So for example, I think one of the claims was is they were somehow tied to voter fraud in, in Venezuela. And you don't make that claim on a national TV program unless you've done your homework. So Docker started getting a little fast and loose with it. And I think with this agent that he claims um, was involved in January 6th, you know, you can raise the question, but you do have to be quite careful before you're going to, on a national news program. But Douglas Murray, would you see him doing this? No, I don't. Um, so he combines, he firmly knows the cultural wars. Granted, he doesn't know mom and pop, everyday American, but he did Tucker Carlson. I mean, Tucker Carlson, his name is freaking Tucker. He has all the hallmarks. I don't think he went to one of the Ivy League elite schools, but he was kind of, you know, early in his career, he kind of wore the bow tie type thing. 
he was kind of like Tucker, you know, Tucker, like one of you'd see at a prep school. I mean, he looks like he kind of belonged there. And he was not every dose Joe Sixpack. Uh, yet somehow I think he was able to apply to everyday Fox viewers that really resonated and connected with him. And so you wouldn't have thought that. And I think with Douglas Murray, uh, he's an Oxford-educated, you know, Oxford done. Um, he's extremely articulate. He has this wicked sense of humor. Um, at least that's what I've observed in terms of him being on TV. And I think people are going to love him because the other quality that you've got to have is you have to be extraordinarily tough to have this kind of megaphone and the type of pushback that you're going to get. Again, we all know the tactics of the left are not to say, oh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's a good point. I, I guess I'd never considered that. No. And by the way, for you blue dogs that are left out there, um, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about, you know, and, and I'm just, I, I, I actually, there's certain parts of the radical left that I, I kind of admire. I'm going to do an episode on why I don't think uh, Fidel Castro would be a uh, Democrat, not even close. If he had to choose, I think he'd be a Republican instead of a Democrat, and I'll explain why. Not in this episode, you just have to stay tuned. So that, I think, is uh, kind of the key issue here, is that he is tough enough, and I think you know he has written on these cultural issues, and I can guarantee you, Douglas Murray gets death threats all the time. He is not scared of the mob. Um, I wish he would, frankly, I mean, I, I, I think in terms of the Islam issue, I wish they'd kind of punt on that a little bit. But on the other hand, too, I mean, for Islamic people, you know, we're entitled to a debate, right? And I think that is something where I think he's really talking about. And, um, you know, Douglas Murray is someone who I think, uh, you know, I came across only relatively recently. I guess I just demonstrated my own ignorance on that. But I think he has the right combination of that, that none of the other um, commentators in waiting have, which is toughness, sense of humor, and education, um, and the ability to clearly articulate what the issues are in the greater cultural war, which I still think Fox wants to engage in, you know, the war on Christmas and parental rights and transgender ideology and these sorts of things. But they want to do it in such a way that um, is a little bit tighter and a little bit less subject to lawsuits because Fox is probably going to lose a couple billion dollars. I don't know what their market cap is, but most companies do not have a couple billion dollars just laying around. And if they end up settling for those, I mean, not taking affirmative steps, so, well, then they maybe have a shareholder lawsuit um, if 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 these you know reckless commentators are um, you know making these just reckless material statements of facts. I can't see Douglas Murray doing that. Because he has the Oxford education, and he knows facts, he knows opinion, and he knows how to navigate that extraordinarily difficult process. So my pick is going to be Douglas Murray. I think he's going to replace Tucker Carlson. I don't think it's going to be Will Kane. He's a little too, he's really good. Will Kane is really good. He's a little too vanilla for me. So I don't think it's going to be Will Kane. I think he can be kind of funny. I don't know if he has a sense of humor. You need all of those things. And I think setting aside what Tucker said, uh, I think Douglas Murray brings together all of those things, and he certainly is not afraid of the typical toolbox of the left, which is don't engage with the idea, call them racist, call them misogynists, and um, form a mob, and if that doesn't work, threaten them, and if that doesn't work, cancel them, because they cannot win debates on the merits 
Instead, it's a function of um, using, I, I think, below, be, below the belt tactics that if you're going to do that, you got to be prepared to engage in all in out rhetorical political combat. And I think Douglas Murray is up to the task. So that is my pick. I hope I'm right on this. Douglas Murray will replace Tucker Carlson. That's all for this episode of the Rocky Cast. I'm going to get back to my day job and um, continue to listen to these episodes and spread the word on the Rocky Cast, including this most recent prediction on the Rocky Cast. Douglas Murray will replace Tucker Carlson. Until next time on the Rocky Cast. <laughs>